Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. We are here today to talk about the Finland, Belarus, and Estonia games. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? You okay? Doing all right. Yeah, rounding out the summer here. You've you've had quite a busy week, haven't you? We have. We have. We've bought a house in the Netherlands, so we've been moving house this week. It has been hectic to say the least i'm currently recording this surrounded by boxes but uh you know obviously had a great weekend building uh, ikea furniture and almost uh, getting a divorce as a consequence so it's been uh, it's been uh, it's been an entertaining week or so so yeah so our first record in our new house we've got got the dog next to me kind of hopefully quiet for the next uh, for the next hour or so we'll see how we go Uh, we were obviously hoping to record a little bit sooner, but obviously real life has kind of got in the way there. Um, we are obviously going to talk about the three games. Obviously, Finland game, probably a decent result in the, in the circumstances. Belarus, a very good result in the circumstances. And obviously, the Estonia game, slightly different. We're also going to talk about the upcoming women's games against Kazakhstan. And hopefully, they can get some sort of revenge on Estonia for us. Um Ruth, we will start obviously with the Finland game. Um, o- overall, I mean, the big question, I suppose, is what did we learn? But I, I mean, I, we're looking at that in isolation. I, I think it was a, it was a very good performance, really. It was a kind of old-fashioned sort of proper friendly, wasn't it? In that both both teams used it to blood some players, get some international minutes into players. Um, I, I just kind of thought of it as a, as a box ticked and a, a job done. And um, ironically, I think it was, it was worth the effort, uh, particularly when we ended up staying in Helsinki because, um, you know, the, the geography kind of made some better sense then, didn't it? Um, and I feel it was a really good opportunity for a few players to kind of show, show their mettle at, at the international level, clearly it wasn't Finland A in the same way it wasn't Cymru A either. But I, I do think I'm, I'm not a huge fan of shoehorning a friendly into and turning it into a three-game window. But on that basis, I think it actually proved quite a, a quite a useful game, didn't it? Absolutely. I think that's the reality is that we were kind of looking at this as something we just had to endure in a relative sense. But I think there was, you know, there was definitely positives from it and it, and it turned into useful exercise. So I think Rob Page deserves credit for that. I think the management team deserve credit for that, for the way they handled it. I mean, there's three players that kind of jumped out, I suppose, as being the the star turns, if you like, in terms of forcing their way into the manager's plans. The midfield area was the one that kind of jumped out to me really where it was Levitt, Johnson and Smith. And I've got to say, we'll start with Levitt. I've obviously, I don't want to say being critical of him here. I I think I've just said that I don't think he's ready. Um, And this was the first game I thought I can start to see what the fuss is about now. I would, I would agree. Um, I I still don't think he's quite ready, but I think he's, he's closer to a seat at the table than he was. Oh, um, obviously, obviously, if his loan spell goes well, I, I think you know there's some there's there's clearly potential there, and as you say, it's it's sort of crystallised why he's had the level of attention and time that he has. I thought he had a very good game. I thought Smith equally had an, had an excellent game, and I think I'm sure we'll come to this later. But one one of the strange things about the whole window for me was then we didn't see those two again, and it's it it does. Um, it does kind of make me question, okay, so if the 
one of the purposes as a friend is for people to step up and show you what they've got. And then you're in a position where what they've got might be useful and you don't utilize it. It's, it feels like kind of a step forward and a step back at the same time. Yeah, I don't want to jump around too much on this, only yeah. because, you know, I think the time for us to be critical <laughs> will definitely come. <laughs> but um, I do think that Rubin Colwell is a perfect example of that. He got brought into the to the side uh, against Finland, in my opinion. And I'm not being critical of the lad. He's a, he's a young boy. I, I, I don't really think he did much when he came on. He had a chance to win it fairly late on. Not an easy one. It came at him quickly. Didn't make the most of that. Um, it is what it is. As a consequence of all the people who've kind of forced their way into a position for the next game, I was super surprised that it was Colwell who was starting. Equally, if you're going to play him in that game and you probably know you're going to play him in that game, then why risk him in the friendly? It struck me as, a, as an odd move. But I say that in hindsight. At the time, I thought, again, in isolation, I thought that game was kind of handled as perfectly it could be, and I would include someone like Colwell in that. I think looking at it beyond that, like you say, Levitt and Smith particularly, and Johnson, um, who obviously got f- fouled for the penalty, I, they, I thought those three had a good game, and I thought if we're going to make, if someone is making a decision for the manager difficult, it's probably going to come from one of those three. Yeah, I would agree with I would agree with you, and I think, like as you say, if you just look at it as a friendly as it was, I think it ticked the boxes, it... Um, as I said, I was particularly happy that they stayed in Helsinki, turned it into a bit more of a sort of a camp and an event and, you know, took the emphasis off the whole Kazan sort of debacle, which we'll, we'll undoubtedly come to. But I think I, I think it was well handled. I think even, you know, I, I questioned throwing Bale on for 10 minutes at the end, but I think that's kind of one of those things, the box you're expected to tick with those sorts of friendlies. Um and as you say, overall, I thought it went well. I think I think the formation is interesting. Um, you brought up in our in our our notes. You know, do we do we think this sort of three at the back plan is our plan B? I'm, I mean, I'm st- I'm still in the camp where I genuinely have no idea on that. Um, I think it might be it might be our plan B, but I think. We've got to address Plan A, and again, we'll come to, we'll come to that as we as we look at some of the issues around the Estonia game. Um, I don't have a problem with different formations for different scenarios. I think we've just got to solidify each of those and and have options within each of those. I feel at the minute that we're we're sort of shillying and challying between things a little bit and I don't think that's helping anybody at the moment. Yeah, there's a weird rigidity, if that's the the right word, in a sense of how we play, but equally within that we're kind of making odd tweaks that kind of don't make sense. I, I suppose yeah, maybe I'll, I'll save I'll save that for, for later, but in isolation again, I, I think I like the system. Um, I think it suits us, especially against with all due respect to Finland, that type of opposition, um, especially when they put their B team out. I think it suits the way we could pass the ball. I think we pressed very well. Again, in normal circumstances, Nico Williams is playing there as well. Connor Roberts is playing perhaps. The, having the fullbacks higher up the pitch suits us. Uh, I, I think as a system, it kind of works well. I don't think it is the way forward per se, but I do think against certain teams that play a certain way, I think that would be a really good way forward. And I would say... Uh, again, you know, I said I don't want to jump around. He says just about to jump around. But, for example, I think that would have worked better in the Estonia game. 
and again it's not all about systems there is a bit much bigger picture to it and that's not as black as white as the manager picks a system therefore we win or lose but in terms of suiting the situation I, I felt that suited the Finland game really really well um, to, to look at the to look at the game in itself I thought we started reasonably well kind of popped the ball around uh, reasonably well and, and I was really impressed with with Brennan Johnson getting forward and, and obviously then getting fouled for the penalty yeah, no, I thought he had an, an excellent game overall, actually. He's, he's clearly settled in well uh, at Forest this season and and is becoming kind of... They haven't had a good start, but I think he's had a good start. And um, I think one of the other things that impressed me is is Johnny Williams's versatility. You know, we keep throwing him into more and more different positions. I thought he showed... Um, He's almost too adaptable, isn't it? I think it might not be helping him particularly solidify a role. Uh, but it, but in our setup, I think the versatility is, is very useful. Um, interesting to see Amper doing a three again with what happened later with the Estonia yeah. game. Um, but I thought there was, as you say, there was a lot of positives to take, to take from that game. Um, it was nice to see Hennessy get a half. Um, I think Ben Davies is clearly not having the best start to the season. You look at what happened in Spurs game at the weekend, but he he needs some game time and obviously he needed that half in that game. So again, there was a whole load of good things about the Finland game that, you know, as annoying as it was to have to fit in a friendly, at least was utilised well. Um, no, I, I agree. And, you know, I think... Brennan Johnson is the one. He's a weird one, actually. I haven't put this in our notes. Sorry, I totally forgot. But I think he's. A, it's an interesting one in that we've got a lot of those type of players, haven't we? Who aren't quite wingers, aren't quite number tens. They're just kind of attackers, forwards, if you like. In and I feel like Brooks is a bit like that. Wilson's a bit like that, um, amongst others. And I think it's really, really interesting that we seem to ha somehow have a collection of them and how we utilise them moving forward beyond. You know, now look at five years' time, for example. You'd imagine that a combination of Johnson, uh, Di Brooks, Harry Wilson are going to be our kind of forward trio with Dan James as well, who are all, again, forwards in inverted commas. I'm intrigued to see how we kind of utilise them moving forward um, because they've obviously got a lot of talent. I thought Johnson was excellent, looked a threat all the time. Like I say, definite penalty. Um, it's just a shame that Harry Wilson uh, couldn't take advantage, really. Yeah, yeah, there's a. Well, there was a bad penalty all round, wasn't it? A badly taken penalty all round. Um, in, in my youth, the Johnsons of the world would have been called an inside right. And I think it's interesting that we're kind of veering back to that style of player. Um, and I, I think, I mean, I don't think you're wrong, we've got a plethora of them. And I, I do think, and again, this, this will come up later in the discussion, I think, I do think we have some interesting questions of kind of trying to put square pegs in round holes a little bit at the minute and um, ultimately how we use the likes of Johnson and Wilson, David Brooks, I think that is going to, I mean, it's, it's not an immediate question, but I think in three or four years time, we're going to have, we're going to have to have sorted that out properly. And we're going to have to know how we can play to people's strengths and how we can bend the people we need to. Johnny Williams might be an obvious example at the minute of how we're doing that, bending people's play to what we need as well. Uh, yeah. So it's an interesting dilemma. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, these sort of friendlies, if we utilise them in the way we did, I think is, again, there's a real, real value to that. There's the, the uh, leaf blower popping back into life, I can hear in the background. Um, how we utilise that moving forward is not a conversation for now, but that conversation will be formed for what we are doing now. And again, you know, and I'm sure people who saw tweets over the weekend probably expected me to slag Rob Page from start to finish here. I, I don't want to do that. That you know, <laughs> he'll have his time. But I, I think you know the the flip side there is I think he handled that situation perfectly. The one exception I would say is Bale, a totally unnecessary risk. All he needs to do is roll his ankles, stretch for something, and then he's out for the Belarus game. You know, I, and I'm I, it, the report said that Bale said he just wanted ten minutes to make himself feel sharp. Okay, fair enough. I get it. I still don't think he should have gone on, but you know that's a that is a story for another time, because um, he you know he was fine. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get my uh, my proverbial knickers in a twist over that one. Um, I think as the game wore on, I think the one who really stood out to me was Matt Smith. I thought personally, I thought he was the man of the match uh, from from a Welsh perspective. Got forward well, had a great chance to score after some you know a great kind of individual little run there. Um, you know, and, and kind of made the game an entertaining game at points just because of his kind of drive, I thought. I would agree. I mean, it was between him and Levitt, man of the match for me, but I probably would have gone for Smith as well. Um, I, I, I think it's the most attacking we've been able to see him play in the, in the, the various roles that we've, we've normal, he's normally been very much paired as part of a, a holding pair of midfielders. And I think the nature of this game and the formation kind of took the reins off him a little bit more and we saw some more of that attacking play uh, the obvious one being the 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 near goal as you were describing but I think overall it was it was an interesting opportunity to see to see him on the front foot rather than the back foot and the, the, both he and Levitt I thought were very impressive I've seen things yeah, I was impressed with Matt Smith's final d delivery as well. I, you know, he put a ball in for that Colwell chance I mentioned earlier. And again, great, great ball, um, put it into a brilliant area. A little bit unlucky for Colwell. I, you know, probably should have still done better, but still, you know, it's a friendly. It fundamentally doesn't matter. I think that's a, a good example. You know, we, we talk a lot, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later in football, especially international football. A perfect scenario is you get a good performance and you get a result. Sometimes you get the performance, you don't get the result, but it's not the end of the world. You can at least come away and say, well, you know, we did well there. And I would say that is a perfect example of that. We should have got the result, a penalty. We've had two or three good chances. Um, and I think that is a perfect sort of situation um, where we can kind of congratulate the performance and, and not worry about the, the result. The, the last one I just wanted to mention there is Ampadu, just quickly. Again, I just... In hindsight, I, I thought that was an unnecessary gamble. He obviously needed and wanted some game time, which is understandable. But given the situation, Rodden not being available as it appeared at the time, I, I did think that was an unnecessary gamble. But again, I guess he needed the game time. And, you know, at some point, I suppose you've got to roll the dice with with these players a little bit. Um, speaking of... I would, I, would, I would agree with that. And I think particularly when you knew you couldn't be playing him in Belarus because of the visa issue, I think it was worth getting some timing in before Estonia. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, I don't think there's kind of much more else that <laughs> I want to mention here. Does everyone in Oregon do leaf blowing at the same time? Is it some sort of, is it some sort of state hobby? 
I wonder. <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just feels like it. We've, got, we've actually got a lot of rain forecast, so I think everybody's desperately trying to get their glasses clear and everything uh. done before the real rain starts. Well, do they not know we're trying to record a podcast? I think that's very selfish uh, of the people of Oregon. Um, to, to look at the, uh, the Belarus game, um, I, I mean, the, the scenario around it, I was very critical of, of the way it was kind of handled uh, to an extent last time, and I I think I didn't know enough, which is my fault, um, in terms of the situation and visas and everything went along with that that was kind of thrown into the mix of making travel into Russia difficult. I mean, when we got there, the pitch didn't look great. Um, so there was, a, you know, a lot of circumstances in our way. I mean, you've done the maths here, so I don't want to steal your notes and kind of rattle through them, but the amount of people missing from that game, when you actually look at it in isolation, is crazy, really. Yeah, I think there's, there's two different aspects to this. There was a lot of players missing, but they were missing. They would have been missing whether the game was at the Cardiff City Stadium or in Kazan. It, you know, the, the, the players that were injured, the ones that were out for COVID, those, whatever it was, 10 or 11 players would have been, they'd have been missing regardless. So I think we've got to be careful that we don't turn the Kazan thing into, it, it, it was a mess, don't get me wrong, but I think we've got to be careful that we keep the bits that were related to Kazan very specifically to that issue. It's ridiculous that players were put in the position where they have to make a choice between getting a visa for an international game and having their passport on hand because it's the transfer window deadline. And I think that there needs to be some questions about the timeline of these things and putting players in that position. Presumably, Ethan Ampadu didn't get a visa because he needed to be sorting out his Italian visa. And, uh, but there were other teams that were affected like that. I know the Czechs, the Czechs had two players, basically, who were just given a garden pass for the window because they had to sort out their transfers. And they, you know, they didn't play in their games for the whole window. So I, I think we've also got to be careful that we're not, woe is me here, you know, and that there were times when it was, we there was things like, you know, UEFA hates Wales. They're picking on us. The Be- Belgium went to Kazan as well. They had, they would have had all the same, well, presumably the same visa issues, and basically the same journey, the same pitch. Um, and so we, we we've got to be careful that we don't bounce up and down and say, oh, they wouldn't do this to France. They wouldn't do this to Italy. Well, Belgium had the same consequences. And I'm not saying that's right. I don't think what UEFA did was right. They shouldn't have moved a game to there. They should have moved it to a a more geographically neutral, easier access place, and particularly a place with a decent pitch. But I think we've got to be careful that we don't turn it into us against the rest of the world when it wasn't quite that. I agree. And to go with that, you know, the pitch issue, it was a new experience for for Belarus as well as us. And, you know, I, I, I'm all for making excuses in this incident, instance because I think they're, they're relevant and valid. You know, in the circumstance, it took away Ampadu, it took away Tyler Roberts, um, who realistically is our only kind of recognised striker in inverted commas. It put us in a situation where we had to make difficult choices. So I think that's wrong. Like I say, the pitch and stuff like that, the travel, I, I, I'm not, I, I guess I've, I said this last time, I, I still maintain, yes, an hour and a half extra on a plane is a pain in the arse. But when you're already on a plane, when you're already, I, I just don't think, I don't take that as an issue. And the, the nonsense that, you know, UEFA have got it in for us, etc., you know, is obviously 
ludicrous, really. But I, I do obviously think it kind of must have affected the, the, the build-up for the players. Like the interview that James Lawrence gave, talking about he basically took him four days to get his visa. He had to drive back and forth to Berlin, I think he said, uh, from Hamburg. You know, that in itself is placing a stress and a strain on people. Um, it's all a, a very kind of difficult situation and was made that way by the circumstances that kind of surrounded what happened. So you're right. Yeah. I don't want to make too many this excuses, is, but I think there are, that, is, that is out there as well, you know? Yeah, this is where I think UEFA had a responsibility that they, they knew they were putting players in the position where players would have to put club and international responsibilities on a collision course because it was clear that they would have to go and do visas while they were still in their club bubble as opposed to in their just from a timeline point of view and so you're you are creating a, te a club an international tension where you don't need to create a club and international tension and i think you were, there's some questions around uefa and just having the wits about them that why are they making this situation more complicated at a time when there's there's enough there's enough kind of headbutting around that dynamic as it is without them introducing more variables. I mean, you know, to to, to look at it, you're absolutely right. By the way, I, you know, we don't want to kind of leave the point, but I think if we look at the match, it, the reality of the situation is we got there, we did what we needed to do, and if you pull everything back, the only thing that mattered from that was going to be can we come out of here with three points? And fundamentally, that is all that matters. And we we did do that. So when it comes down to it, I said before, there's a theme coming here, performance, no result first time. Result, no performance second time. As long as you got one of those, I would always say you're kind of in the clear. And in this instance, again, awful game of football. I thought we were wildly lucky at points. Um, and it doesn't matter because... We got away with it. I mean, let's kind of look through the game. Obviously, I, I was saying I, so I went to the went to the pub to watch the match, uh, and I was going to watch Ado, my my season team for Ado. Ado were playing that afternoon, so basically, it was watch the Wales game of the pub and go as fast as humanly possible to uh, to Ado. And I just said, all I want is this. I don't want to be on the train watching the last two minutes on my phone, having a heart attack about this whole situation. If just we can just get an early goal calm everything down see the game out that's all we need and obviously a few minutes in i was like oh absolutely superb um penalty gareth bale very cool calm penalty great finish um and i don't think you're gonna see a more nailed on penalty in your life no i don't think there was questions about the first one might be questions about the second <laughs> one but i think i think the first one was a, the first one was a clear penalty and well taken because obviously we haven't we haven't had a good record with penalties lately so it was it was nice to see that hit the back of the net and uh, yeah it felt like the perfect start didn't it irony of ironies yeah well it was a perfect start to be fair <laughs> it didn't stay the perfect start for particularly long but uh, it was a perfect start and to be fair i thought we kind of i'd want to say dominate the early exchanges but we were certainly in control we got the early goal i was like here we go two nil win incoming happy days um i mean if we start to look at their two goals two goals in quick succession there's lots of, of, of fingers to be pointed uh, if if we were interested in doing that. I think the main thing for me is, I hate that it's individual errors, but I think this is maybe the, the start of the time where I'm thinking, 
people not playing regular football is now or has in this instance started to have an impact because both of those goals individual errors very weak defensively and you know the the first one it comes from someone who realistically should know a hell of a lot better yeah i think yeah i, I agree with you i think the the lack of for, for james lawrence in particular i think the lack of a good start to the season you know he's coming back from his, from the injury he picked up with us in portugal he hasn't had as much of a preseason as he should have had barely played for some powerly and i think that rust showed and and perhaps you know there's a perhaps there's a hesitancy in him pushing off after the calf injury or something i don't know but um his his positioning was poor as well it wasn't just a, a keeping up with the attacker issue there was there was a positioning question there as well but that's that's your mental sharpness not your physical sharpness um Gantz on the penalty i just don't know what was going on there i mean whether he thought it was going to bounce differently or i don't i don't know but that just i i don't understand that one um i don't think there was a question about that being given under the circumstances his leg was exceptionally high it might not actually have been dangerous but it was certainly high and questionable so i think I don't think we can argue with that particularly, and that was an excellently taken penalty in, yeah, in fairness yeah. to Belarus. Um, so I think what concerned me as much about that part of the game, Dave, was how it that sh- that really shook us, those two goals. You know, under normal circumstances, I think when, when there's a confidence that a team has, you, not that you shrug it off, but but it's just like, okay, it is what it is, you know, brush yourself down, get on with it. And, and we actually went more passive, um, I felt, after those after those two goals. And I think that was a concern. I didn't like how we, how we lost our drive, I felt. I mean, uh, there's definitely a, a point here in regards setup, as far as I'm concerned. We definitely did everything we needed to do and we did everything we needed to do well. And then we've gone one up, perfect opportunity to kind of bat out the game and do what we need to do, and it just didn't really work. And I think a lot of that is because of poor game management. I mean, you say about Gunter's high foot there, he also had his arms around his waist. I mean, it's like you're trying to give two penalties away. Um, you know, and he's someone who has had a good start to the season in terms of playing time, so he doesn't have that kind of excuse, so to speak. I think the thing for me is... That goal ultimately has come from our corner. If they've counterattacked on us from our own corner, why is everyone going forward for that? Why is Gunter left one-on-one with this lad effectively at the moment that he does that? That's a combination of either a lack of awareness or lack of game management or a lack of understanding perhaps even of what the situation was supposed to be at the time that we were doing set pieces and stuff like that and again that that's a question that needs to be asked to the manager whether you know that was one of those things and at first I thought bloody hell that's just one of those we've got done people have switched off a bit because we've scored and that was that but then the second goal is actually fairly similar we get done on the break way out of position fullbacks way too high Lawrence has to go completely gets caught in no man's land absolute mess of a situation and fair play to them. You know, you said the penalty there was a well-taken penalty. It was. This was a really well-taken goal. Calm, composed, 
one touch, draw your man in, pass it out to the spare man who's got, uh, a, you know, a one on one fairly simple finish. So there is a bigger picture there to me of you know how we set up. I, I felt like it was naive. Do you think it was? Go on. Do you think it might, in a strange way, be the the result of we not having a striker that the instruction was, or at least not having the height, perhaps might be a better way of putting it. Okay, we're on the corner, we're on the free kick, we expect the, the, the two central defenders to be up. But they're not really addressing the consequences of that either. Who's dropping back, who's filling in the middle, who's marking who kind of approach. It was just a little bit, yeah, you go up. And I wonder whether we kind of sunk into slightly overconfident, well, we can handle things back here, um, when... In in reality, obviously, they were they were in a position to outpace us. Then, I mean, uh, there's an element of that for sure, and and I think I remember Jane Ludlow in the Euros was talking about the false fullbacks, and I think that's what we were kind of trying to do a bit there to an extent. In that, at corners, as you say, we haven't got the big man, so we'll chuck the big men up from the corner. The 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 fullbacks become the centre centre midfielder centre defender sorry and and the, and the centre midfielders become the false fullbacks if you like but then that just didn't happen so whether that you know whether I'm overthinking that based on what Jane Ludlow said and me wanting to sound more intelligent than I am then perhaps but I do think there's an element of that there because it did happen again very soon afterwards I think for me because they have recently often played five at the back and then some variety of three and mid three or four in midfield the fact that we had two holding players instead of you know a, a, another variety i think seemed a bit odd to me and i think that manifested itself in that situation there to an extent is that we all went and there was kind of confusion what was coming next equally you know the the two fullbacks pushing up very high again just seemed unnecessary because we talked about this in the last pod if you remember far you know Bloody hell, we were right about something, you know, you know, telegram from the Queen, please. But I, I think we talked in before that we li- they liked to do those balls in behind. They wanted to ping those balls in in behind. Don't give them the chance to do it. You know, you and I talked about this. And with all due respect to you and I, we're, you know, fairly idiotic. Well, I am at least. You've got a brain cell. But, you know, it's, 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 if we see these things, and I know it's not as black and white as this, right? I, I get it. But... That has happened twice, and and it's cost us both times. And I just felt like, come on, like that's there's not a there's not a thing that needed to be done there. And, I, and I'll stop now because I'm going to move on, unless you've got anything else to add to that. But because talking about unnecessary, I you know I, we talked before about players getting themselves into contention for this game. Not Ruben Colwell's fault. I, is, is was he the answer there? Do you think is that kind of false nine centre forward whatever? No, I think we 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 put him in a position where we were asking to play a very unnatural position too far forward for him. And I don't think he's experienced enough, and there's nothing against him, I think he's going to be a very good player, but he's not experienced enough to be thrown into playing a different position under those circumstances. Um, I, it, yeah, I, I think... Like, if you, did you see the game on on the weekend where he came on for Cardiff? Yeah, yeah, and he was he ended up playing sort of behind Harris, and they played very well. And I think that's just clearly much more his natural location on on the on the field. Um, there was actually oh, I don't remember who did it, but one of the stats gurus on on Twitter did an, an interesting thing where they looked at players' positioning and. 
as soon as Harris was on, the average position, we were immediately, the whole lot of us were immediately further up the field um, in that game. And I thought that was a really interesting take on just one player's impact, but on all 11 players in terms of how, that, how it drove things. Um, going back to what you were saying about Belarus, I think with them being beaten 8-0 in the spring by Belgium, I think might have been tempting to think that, you know, 8-0. But in the game prior, while we were playing that opening game against the Finns, they were having a game against um, the Czechs and only went down 1-0 and played really well. And I don't think we learned from that. You could see that's the same width that they brought in our game. You could see that against the Czechs. And I think there might have been a bit of naivety as to how much, and it was all but a different team than played the Belgians, but how much of a shake-up they had. And, and in fairness, how much work they put into those two games. Yeah, I uh, thought they, they, they were definitely they better than I thought they'd be. They didn't deserve to come away with two defeats from those two games, no. in fairness. No, I, I thought they were. They gave a great account of themselves and looked a threat going forward. Um, you know, I, I had a bit of something about them. I, the, the other interesting one, and we, we will come to it, was the goalkeeper. Because I, I did say beforehand as well, I thought the goalkeeper's got a rick in him. Um, he gave away the penalty. He, you know, he probably should do better with the third goal as well. So I've been right twice. So that means something bad is going to happen to me, I'm sure. Um, uh, looking at our equaliser, um, delighted with the penalty. Top decision by the referee. I, I, that's one of those. You're glad if you get them. And if you if it goes against you, you are fairly, fairly annoyed. I thought it was soft, but I, I'm not complaining. I thought it was a bit soft, but, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad we got it. Yeah, I, I would I would agree, I think. Particularly when there seems to be an emphasis this season to be slightly easier on some of this stuff, not quite as pernickety as they were last season. Um I, th- I confess I was surprised that that one was given. I think it was a, you know, the soft penalty. As you say, one of those ones that if it had been at the other end, we'd have been damn annoyed if that had been given against us. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, you know, again, you've got to take your chances in that sort of game. We hadn't really looked like creating much. Bale tucks that away brilliantly, uh, and all of a sudden it's it's kind of game on. Um, I don't think we kind of dominated the last the last period of the game was quite I would have liked us to um you know we were definitely in control but I don't think it was kind of chance after chance after chance um until of course Mark Harris goes through probably should score himself to be fair I'm sure he'll be I'm sure he's annoyed that he hasn't um ball pops back to Dan James and uh well you you know who does the rest <laughs> nice feed from Morel for that as well I think he was perhaps unfairly maligned in this game I thought he was actually trying to push the game forward at times in a, in, in a more offensive manner than is the norm for him. But lovely feed over the, over the top to Harris. I like the fact that Harris kept going, didn't panic. When off the, probably the first of the ricochets, it would have been very easy for him, particularly as a relatively new player, to just kind of he- head in his hands or you know, turned away in frustration, but he kept at it. Um, I, the more I look at the feed from James to Bale, the more it's like, 
God, he actually did that. Because yeah. initially I thought it was more luck than design, but I'm, the more I see it, I'm sure it was design. Uh, I love the fact that James didn't realise it had gone in and Harris had to, had to so tell good. him. That was very cute. Um, Bale doing his thing. You know, he he just... I mean, there was lots of references after the game to it feeling like the Andorra away game wasn't there. And it did have that kind of... In fact, a little earlier, maybe 10 minutes before, there'd, there'd been a, a free kick in yeah. a not dissimilar position to the Andorra game, hadn't yeah. it? And... Just went over, as I recall, yeah. and you could see in Bale's kind of reaction. It was, oh, you know, shit. That's the moment. That's where it should have happened. Yeah. And um, I think one of his immense strengths is that he just keeps his head up and keeps going. And you know, we're clearly very grateful for that. Absolutely. I mean, maybe we should mention his his injury at the moment. I mean, the 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 things I've seen online. Um, have ranged massively for for those who don't know, but Bale's got has picked up a hamstring injury in the in training before. I think they played Celta Vigo. Um, <laughs> he's pulled his hamstring. The the stories online are ranging between he's been out for between two months and six months. Carlo Ancelotti said he might be out for a few days. Um, so you know anything could happen here. So I, I suppose you know we've got to be careful we don't jump to too many conclusions in that sense. But that performance on its own goes to show, you know, everyone talking about who's our key player at the moment. Is it Ramsey? Is it this person, that person? He has got something that he's got like a, I don't know, a superpower that whenever Wales are in the shit, he sometimes seems, he somehow, sorry, seems to be like, right, lads, strap yourselves in, leave this one to me. And, you know, by your husband, uh, you can you can give him the middle finger from me, please. Um and now the leaf blower started up again. Oh my god, this is like a comedy of errors, this, isn't it? Christ. Um, as I was saying, um, yeah, I, he has got that kind of superpower button, isn't he? Where he just kind of does something and it just works. And I think that goal was a perfect example of that. It was behind him. It was a bloody good stretch to just do something with it and get it on target and hook it round and and everything else. And you know all right, yeah, the keeper should do better, but he doesn't. And the ball goes in, and that is just a let-off for one, but also just a huge, huge, huge three points. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the key thing is the just keep going. I mean, that's all, that's all you can do. And, I mean, in hindsight, with the Estonia result, the company for more three points, more than three points, isn't it? But I think the... There is something. There's something about Gareth Bale's ability just to slog through it. I mean, there must be moments where he just wants to hang his head, but he doesn't. And I think that's one of the things I admire about him the most is he just he does just keep going. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And I think you know, as again the con the context of knowing what we know now makes it an even bigger three points and. Uh, he he's you know once again has saved us there really isn't he so let's let's kind of look ahead to that because uh, you know the last thing I'll say on that sorry that I wanted to add was that Rob Page has has done something and I don't know what it is or how he's done it whether it's with gigs before or what I don't know but we have scored an inordinate amount of late goals uh, under this manager and under this kind of regime if you want to call it that and 
for you know for that to happen again is definitely a credit to the management team to the players uh, and everything in that sense where all right it's not the performance anyone wanted but by hook or by crook we've got the win that we wanted and that is all that matters we kept going until the what 93rd 94th minute and, uh, and 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 scored the key goal that we needed to score and i think you know everyone involved deserves a lot of credit for that I also want to mention that I thought the substitutions in that game were very good. I thought um, the pace that was added, when, well, not, not so much the pace, the, yeah, the pace to Harris that was added by having him on and, and Johnny Williams just drawing free kicks and things. I think one of the things I think um, Page has done reasonably well in most games is his substitutions. And I think that was a, another game where where that came through positively as well um so let's leave positivity street um, <laughs> um and uh, and look ahead is there anything else sorry you wanted to to add on to that no there is there's some things about the belarus game but it's sort of in the context of the estonia game so let's so let's move forward yeah uh okay i Let's let's kind of let's break this down because I think this is the controversial one, if you like. Um, I think I couldn't really argue with a team selection uh, in in terms of what Page chose. I would have done similar, but I would have had if Rodden's fit to play for me. Rodden should play there. I think Ampadu should come into midfield and have a and have a slightly different shape about us. But when the when the side came out, I was like, "Well, fair play, Rodden obviously may, must not be a hundred percent." So I, I'd kind of give him that decision, if you like. Um, I think the one for me was the two holding midfielders. I thought I didn't think that was kind of necessary as the game wore on. Um, and I think you know, looking at, at Ampadu in particular, I felt like we missed his energy in midfield again as the game wore on. Um, so I, I suppose at the start, I wasn't you know, unhappy, so to speak. But as the game did wear on, quite quickly, it became clear that what the starting eleven we had chosen was not, in my view at least, tactically correct for the circumstance we were in. Yeah, I think, I mean, I made the assumption that Rodden might have been over his injury but wasn't match fit. And I, I think um, I can understand putting foot in do in there ultimately would I rather see him in midfield yes but I again I'm with you I didn't have a problem with the 11 as, as it was um, Tyler Roberts really was our only real choice for a, a starting striker I'm still not quite sure that's what he is but um, so yeah I'm, I'm with you it seemed it seemed 4-3-3 seems to sort of suit us or you know I think the reality right, there use, is how we use Wilson in that I thought he had a he sort of growing into that notional 10-ish position. Um, but I'm with you. I think if you look at playing the lowest-ranked team in the group at home, do you go in with two, not just two holding midfielders, they are two very defensively-minded holding midfielders, aren't they? And I, I wonder whether, in hindsight... Page might do that differently. I, 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 but it as the game went on, and with you, that increasingly became a look. We're just the emphasis is just in the wrong part of the pitch here. We've got the bodies in the wrong part of the pitch. We we are making 
well, obviously we were making chances and not taking them and there's a whole different story there there's you know Paige can't put Wilson's chance in in the first minute or you know stop bail hitting the post you can't change that and it was very clear in his press conference after the game that he was really quite frustrated and I can't blame him for that because the chances were there and we didn't take them and that's there's only so much of that that's his responsibility but the setup of the team is his responsibility. And I think where where we were lacking is in that kind of join between the notional defensive part of the midfield and the of the attacking four. Wilson was kind of doing it okay at the start, but then obviously as soon as he had his head injury, that just sort of evaporated. I, and there's two things I, I just want to kind of... Ch- challenge you on I was going to say that sounds very mm-hmm. confrontational which is uh, right, not my aim <laughs> go go for it you bastard um yeah the the, the two things there I, I think maybe not challenge you on the Wilson one I think just how we utilized him because realistically he wasn't actually part of a midfield three really no. he was actually part of an attacking four I I would I would say um so then you are just left with those two holders in midfield yeah. and when he had to be subbed obviously no one wants to make that substitution at that point i'd i'd you know i'd already said i'm sure other people had noticed this is our chance to change this now because we were getting a bit over a run in midfield you know at half time they had 50 they had the same amount of possession as us 50 50 pretty much it was 49 51 um and you know that's not good enough against that team and that is to me is a simple fix that one person who you bring on you drop deeper and when you talk about levitt and smith who played well previously Easy solution there for me. And I don't, I don't disagree with you, Dave. I think, I, I think we missed trick there. I think it was better when Wilson was on because to an extent, it was all. I'm, I don't disagree with you. I think it might, you might make, you can make the case that it was a four-two-four. Maybe it was a four-two-one-three when he was there, um, but we, but it wasn't overt enough. And certainly when the change came in, it wasn't overt enough. And and I think again that is an opportunity where that that was missed in the game. Uh, my final one. I have spoken to a lot of people on Twitter this week, and I've ma- I wanted to bite my tongue and save save my uh, save my wrath uh, for the pod. I cannot abide. I'm sorry. The he can't put it in the net himself argument because that is completely nonsensical to me. If if you score a goal, right, that the manager has worked on on the training ground and it comes off the way you want it to come off, yes, the players get credit, but so does the manager. You've come up with a plan, you've done something about it, you've worked on it, and it's worked. And I'll give you an example, right? Kiefer Moore's goal against Slovakia in the qualifiers for the Euros. We've worked the ball wide, the cross has come in, the big man scores the goal, right? Sorry, Ruth. Is, who's, is someone next? Is, what's that? More gardening. <laughs> Excellent news. Um, the ball comes in. Kiefer Moore puts the ball in the back of the net. That is a goal that they've worked on on the training ground, right? Slovakia in the Euros, for that matter. Um, that goal, the second goal, the Hal robson kind of goal, yes, there's an element of fortune in it, but the plan was to move them around and exploit the space in the middle. The managers come up with a plan and it's worked. The manager gets credit, but so does the players, right? The bail example in this one is completely null and void to me that Page can't put it in himself. 
in no world can anyone tell me that Rob Page worked with Gareth Bale that he would be hanging around the edge of the box by accident, would cut inside two people, take two people on and, and have a shot, right? In no, no world. but maybe they worked on the Gunter Cross and Wilson finish. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's it's not anything like Tyler Roberts's chance is a perfect example of something that they have worked on patterns of play and it's come to that right. So I get that, but you're, if you're just taking that one moment in that one bit of isolation and saying, "Oh well, that's not the manager's fault," that completely eradicates everything. Like Danny Ward has saved basically a, a shot from a direct corner at the end. In that case, we yeah. can't give Page credit for the clean sheet because he, he wasn't in goal saving the shots. Like, I know I'm being facetious. I fully understand that. Yeah, I think, I think got... you're overstating the, the, the situation. I know I think... I, well, I don't think I am because we've, we've played 45 minutes of... And I'm like, I, I'm, people are going to give me crap for this, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. Of abject football in the first half, the way we played football in the first half was not good enough in relation to Wales, in relation to the opposition we were playing or the situation we found ourselves in. It's not good enough. So yes, we've had that chance and Wilson should do better. Not the manager's fault, no argument. But there are certain things that the manager must take responsibility for. And you can tell me how many shots we had in the second half, all the other stuff. Imagine of how many shots we would have had if we'd have played well in the other 45 minutes, which for the record still counts as part of the game of football, everyone. You can't just say we created loads of chances second half. Someone said to me on Twitter, oh, what, what, what do you want the manager to do? And I was, Well, I want him to play and set up for 90 minutes, not 45. And, and, and to, you know, I, like I say, I, I recognise I'm being facetious. If you're, you're, if anyone's come back here on this, I don't think this is the manager's fault, or the manager's not responsible for this. I, I just think if your <laughs> argument back to that is he can't put the ball in the net himself, I just, I, I just think that's that's a nonsensical way to look at it, in my opinion. But what if a couple of those chances had gone in? How would we be viewing this differently? <clears throat> I would still say the same as we look at the Belarus game. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go and buy the DVD of the Belarus game. We really didn't play very well, but it didn't matter because we won. And like I said at the start, this was my nice circular point that I've been laying in. Finland game performance didn't get the result. Belarus game got the result, didn't get the performance. In this game, Estonia, we got neither. So at a point you do have to say the manager has to be responsible there. Because if you look across those three games, there's definitely something missing one way or the other. You can make the arguments and excuses and one's a friendly and the other one we won. There's a dog barking in the background of your sound and now Shira the dog can hear that as well. He's <laughs> been so good. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a flip side, isn't it? And I get that, but we didn't play well in the, in the Belarus game. We can't kind of gloss over that either but it doesn't matter because we won if you don't have either of those two things the performance or the result then you know who can or can't put the knob of the ball in the net is becomes an irrelevance because yeah you're right if the ball goes in and Tyler Roberts squares it to, to Johnny Williams or Bales hits the inside of the posts and nicks in you're right we're saying oh god we got away with one there yeah, as you could probably hear there, I had to pause for a moment there as uh, as the dog has decided to bark. Uh, There's a dog barking uh, at your end, which is uh, which is great fun. Um, yeah, I, I've lost my thread now, but the point of the matter is, 
you're right. If if we score, we look at this game in a different way. And the reason for that is because we won. And then all of the other stuff doesn't matter because at this stage, all that matters is the win. So that's the crux of my point that it took me half an hour to get to, I think. I think there's... Um, looking at this whole sort of performance versus result notion, uh, obviously the, ma- the manager's responsibility is to set things up so that the performance can generate the result that you want. I mean, I'm clearly stating the obvious, but, and then I think where I have questions for Paige in this game is were we set up in a way that was right for the sort of performance we wanted against the opposition that we were facing? And I think there are, there are questions about being too defensive, um, not bridging the midfield and then the other questions I would have were about his substitutions, because as much as I think they went well in the previous games, and I think it tended to be a pattern in Page's management time, that his substitutions have been positive and have had an impact on the game. And that also goes to your point about scoring late. And I don't think we used our subs well in this game. When Harris came on, he made a difference, for example, but we didn't back that up with another injection of energy either. Um, so I think, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not completely disagreeing with your point. The man, There's only so much you can, um, you can frame as being the manager's responsibility. And ultimately the players have to deliver on the, on the field. But, you've, but the, the manager's responsibility is to put the players in a position to deliver on the field. And um, I feel this was the worst game that we've had under Page's schema in terms of putting us in the right place to do what we needed to do. We're going at home against a team that's about 100 places below us. We should have had a relatively easy route to three points. And yes, the players missed chances, but and we created plenty. So I think I think there's a point. I think my point is still there is only so much responsibility Paige has for that element. But did he do a good job of the elements he has the key responsibility for? And I think in this game, probably the answer is no. I think that's the point I'm getting at, which is always you worded much better than me. There is a big difference. And again, you know, a lot of this is based through chat on social media, I suppose. But, you know, there's a big difference. Between, I'm not saying he's a he's a bad manager. I'm not saying I want Paige out. I'm saying in this instance, I don't think he did a good enough job. And at the end of the day, the buck stops with the manager, doesn't it? You know, you know... <laughs> If when you were organising graduation back at school, if something went wrong, it's your it's your gig. If you know Glenn doesn't turn up to his duty, you know and doesn't park the cars properly, and there's a there's a, ultimately that falls back on you. Someone else may have dropped the ball somewhere, but that's still your responsibility, isn't it? And that's because you're the manager. And it's the same in a football sense. Obviously, I'm not suggesting that organising graduation and uh, and getting points off Estonia are the same thing, but. In terms of the context of the situation, I, I think the point is that the buck stops there. And I think, you know, I, I've written a few things down because I wanted to kind of look at where we are with Paige. Because, you know, people are saying this is the guy who helped us qualify for the Euros and topped the Nations League group. Well, that's not actually true. Like, he did qualify us for the Euros in his role as assistant manager. 
in his time where he is the manager, caretaker or otherwise, he's had 15 games by my maths. Six wins, five draws, four defeats. We've had, the, with the defeat have been to Belgium, best ranked team in the world. France, current World Cup holders. Italy won the Euros. I can, I can live with all of those, absolutely fair. And I think we performed fairly well against those three. We, we could have done a bit better against the Belgians, I thought, but circumstance went against us there. The Danes is the one, is the, is, the, is the anomaly in that. I thought we performed poorly. I think he didn't react well enough. But again, I'm not saying page out. I'm saying in that moment, he didn't do his job well enough. If you look at the draws, USA, I wasn't particularly happy with the performance that day, but it was... They had a strong team out. We didn't. It was his first game in charge, I think, as caretaker. Albania, a pre-tournament friendly, not asked. Switzerland, we were lucky to draw that game, but, you know, it was a great result nevertheless. The Finland draw we've just had, and obviously the Estonia draw we've just had. In the context of that, I would say there's one good result there, in inverted commas, which is the Swiss result. In the wins, we've beaten Republic of Ireland, Finland... Mexico, Czech Republic, Turkey, Belarus. In terms of the big win there, you'd say Turkey and the Czech Republic are probably the big two standout results. Has he done a good job as a caretaker manager in the circumstances? I, I don't think anyone is questioning that. Well, that's not true. There are, I'm sure, some people question it. I'm not questioning that. Has he done a good job in the circumstances? Yes. We haven't beat a team ranked above us in a, in a competitive game. The only win against the team above us was Mexico in a friendly game. Everyone else that we've beaten is ranked below us, and, and in most cases, a, a decent amount below us in the in the table. Um, you know, again, there is a difference here between has he done a good job in the circumstances? Yes. Has he done a good job overall? I think that's a different question. I, I'm, I'm not sure he's done the best job. I still don't think he's the man to take us forward after this qualifying, but I also recognise that the FAW are kind of hamstrung by circumstance and situation. So, so I, so I recognise all of those things. Shearer obviously agrees with me. I guess my ultimate point here is, is that we need to be aware of the situation. Like I say, we're hamstrung. But I also think there's other things that he is not doing a good enough job at, at times. I'm not saying Page out. I'm not saying he's done a bad job because he definitely hasn't. He was responsible for getting us across the line in the in the Nations League qualifiers. He deserves credit for that. As I say, is he the answer? No. D is he because he's done a bit of a good job in some other games immune from criticism? No. Does Is this on his shoulders? Is it his fault in inverted commas? No, entirely no. It, does he need to take the responsibility because of decisions he has made across this window then yes, I think he does. And I think there's a, a, a big difference between the two there. It's ultimately the long-winded point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I think my issue with Paige is this scenario where we still haven't found a substitute for Kiefer Moore. I... I understand that you want a plan B, which is a different style of play. But it, our plan shouldn't be Kiefer Moore, other style of play. They should be style A, which is headlined by Kiefer Moore up front, and plan B, which is 
more like false nine plan three at the back kind of thing that we saw a little bit in the an element in the finish game where i feel we've really fallen down is in making sure we have a substitute for when Kiefer Moore isn't available now that might be injury it might be yellow cards those are what you would expect to be the two normal situations but you add in covid you add in knowing that you may have some visa issues for a particular window there's a whole conglomeration of reasons why you might be missing any individual player and hence not to have a ready substitute for a cl- our clear kind of striker-based plan A. We've, we've, we've talked about this so many times today, but I'm just, I'm at my wit's end because statistically we are better with Kiefer Moore playing, whether he's scoring the goals or not. So if that is proving to be our most effective way of playing, we have to make sure that we're able to substitute for him when he's not available. We, we can't have this halfway house of, as we were saying earlier, putting players whose natural game is so very different from that and suddenly expecting them to be strikers. Now, in fairness, I think Mark Harris on occasion got relatively close to this in parts of the games that he played. Um, it might be that we've got to seriously start looking at Jeff Cott, although you know he ended up missing the 21 games for COVID reasons. So... Um, it probably wouldn't have solved the problem in this window either. Uh, so I, I think that that is where my issues with Page lie. I, I think fundamentally he's done actually a pretty decent job in incredibly different circumstances. And I think the goalposts keep moving on him. Every time he might think he has a timeline, it stretches out again. I think we've been in very, in, incredibly fortunate, actually, that he's, he's stepped up as well as he has because on on paper this wasn't going to be a good scenario if you just look at his record and, and and how he's dealt with managerial roles before so I think overall I'm actually very grateful that he took it on under difficult circumstances and has not made a bad job of it but I do think there are things that could have been better and I Mike the top one on my list is having a key for more replacement. Um, if good finish to say that, GCHQ98 has sent us a message on Twitter. Do you think Paige at this point needs to bring in uh, Jeff Cott and Thomas, Zorba Thomas, who's the, um, uh, who's the guy at Huddersfield Championship Player of the Month? I mean, I, mean, I don't want to, to stress the Jeff Cott point too much because we've said it a million times. I, I think we're both in agreement there. We, he has to, as the, as the player who's the, the, the more alternative. Uh, great blog by a new writer, Robbie. He's mentioned even bringing Sam Vokes in, uh, amongst others, just not as a, as a plan A or B or whatever, but to having someone who is that replacement. Because that kind of comes to my point a little bit more about Paige in that sense, is there are times when he's made decisions, as you say, which don't make sense to the situation we're in. And, I'll, and I'd give the way we played at points during this game where we're trying to get the ball wide and get the ball into the box. But the person who we're getting the ball into the box or trying to get the ball into the box to isn't Kiefer Moore, it's Tyler Roberts. He's not there. That's ty- not Tyler Roberts' fault. I don't think he played particularly well, but that's a, that's a story for another day. We are trying to play the same way with a different player. That doesn't work. Again, we're talking about things that aren't or are Page's remit or in his power. That is one of those things. Again, 
just so I don't get hammered on Twitter again, it doesn't change the circumstance. I still think he's done a good job in the circumstances. I'm not saying page out. I'm saying in this instance, I don't think he did a very good job of managing the setup for this kind of situation. Um, in terms of so Thomas, um, I was wondering, like he's obviously, I, I would say the visa situation was the reason he didn't get called up in this. I fully expect him to get called up in uh, in in the next round of fixtures, especially if Bale isn't going to be available. Um, so in in that sense, um, I'm sure I'm sure Thomas will bring him, and he seems to be one of the players that Page himself has identified. And again, credit to Page for that, for kind of keeping that work that was done under Gigs and and other managers where we are trying to bring in people with Welsh heritage. And I think Thomas being one of those people is a is a what seems to be a very good find. Yeah, no, I, I think you know player of the month in the championship you're not going to ignore that are you I think Brett definitely bring him into camp and see where he fits in he might be a another one of those you know as we were saying before sort of it more inside right players than a striker but uh you can't you can't overlook someone that's playing well at the level that he's playing well um, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, again, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of constantly going back and forth here. Again, that is something that he deserves credit for and the management team as a, as a whole deserve credit for. Um, I just had one more thing that I wanted to mention in a slightly bigger picture because we haven't really actually talked about it. here. We are an hour and five minutes. We've not really talked about the game much. Is classic Coleman had a dream if you're, <laughs> if you're a regular listener. Um, the one thing I will say, and it's not a problem unique to him, I think Chris Coleman had this problem. I think Giggs, to a lesser extent, I think he, we played in a slightly different way, but certainly in his time. My problem, my, I, have, I have a slight issue, and again, this is not just a page issue. The thing with being a team that often scores late goals is if that's the thing you're relying on, at some point that runs dry and it, and it kind of doesn't happen. You do need to do something in other parts of the game. And when it works, it's great. Belarus, perfect example. So far, Wales are the lowest scoring team in this group. Um, in Page's 15 games, we've scored 13 goals. Six of those 13 came in two matches. So in the other 13, we've scored seven goals. Again, that's not just his fault. That's been an ongoing issue. It's still not good enough. In the same way, we've conceded 15 goals in 15 games although 10 of those have been in three games so in terms of things that we're doing well the clean sheet element is still there and that is in in in, in all its glory the hit the other night so again there is definitely rough with a smooth with all of this stuff but there are definitely problems that kind of need to be addressed and again i know that not all of this is his fault i'm i'm fully aware that the circumstances we find ourselves in are not of his doing and are very difficult and complicated it's still his job right now, whether we, whether we like it or not, and whether we want to, you know, feed into the narrative if he's doing a good job in difficult circumstances. That's fair. It's still his job. When we're looking at the team who are ranked 110th in the world, and they've scored more goals than us in this difficult group, when the team, I think Belarus were 85th or something like that in the world, 90th in the world, something, when they have scored more goals than us in this group, and they've played the exact same matches as us so far, I, I think, so when when we're looking at in that context, there are definitely things that he has to do better, and this um, uh, manifested itself in this game in the sense that we 
that not scoring the late goal, not scoring when we've had chances to, eventually has caught up with us, and it's kind of happened in this in this kind of massive game. So again, I'm not saying it's all his fault. I keep reiterating that, but I do think there are things he does have to take responsibility for, and I think, as I say, this is the manifestation of some of the issues that he has as a manager, in my opinion. I mean, I can't argue. I think our inability to score goals has been it's been uh, shadowing us for ages, and I think that those stats you were saying in terms of so few goals in relative to the other teams in in the group, it's it was going to come back and bite us at some point, and it and it it did so last week. And I I think we've been riding a little bit of luck, more than a bit of luck on occasion with those with those late winners. And I think it was going to evaporate at some point. It shouldn't have evaporated in a home game against Estonia, I think is, is what I'm saying. Um, we, I suppose the good thing is that we seem to be creating options and creating chances. I think the difficulty is that we're not well it was like you were saying before we're not we're we're throwing the ball in high when Kiefer Moore isn't there or we're relying on someone playing a Ramsey-esque sort of eight slash ten role when he's not there and I think we've got to be careful that we're goes back to what I was saying earlier, this kind of square square pegs, round holes. I think we've got to be mindful of getting players to do things which are within their framework of experience. Like when we had Colwell up front in the game the other day, it's, it's just not who he is or what he's familiar with or even what he's been exposed to enough to gain some familiarity with. And I think... I think all of those are frustrations for me, not um, not so much the the who as much as the how. Um, we the who is we we haven't found a substitute for for more. That's kind of evidence point one for me. That's like the topmost list thing. But around that is also making sure we're putting people in a position for them to play at their best. And I think at times we haven't enabled that. Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly fair. And I think, you know, to, you know, I, I guess we need to kind of move on a little bit because I think yeah. we're in danger of labour. Well, I say we, I am in danger of labour in the <laughs> point. So we will move on from that. I think, you know, there's three kind of key moments in the game, I guess we need to look at uh, or, or talk about briefly. The first... I would say is um, obviously the Harry Wilson chance at the start. Well worked. I, I think we can all say you should score. I think the the good bit of play that put Tyler Roberts in in the second half, he's either got to square it or score, and he can't do neither, which is what he does. 
Um, and obviously Bale's, you know, back off the post. That brilliant image from uh, John Smith uh, of Bale with his head in his hands and everyone in the background in the crowd with their head in their hands as well is a fantastic image. So I'd advise keep give that a look on Twitter. But and those are kind of the key moments in the game for me. I think Danny Ward's made a great save at the end from that kind of big in swinging corner, and they actually looked all right at the end. You know, they, um, you know, a couple of long shots from from range. I had a horrible image of one of those going in in my mind so thankfully it didn't I suppose the reality of this whole situation is is that the way that the games have fallen the runners-up spot is 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 still very much there for us and I feel like this could be contextually similar to the Hungary away game in the in the last group where we should have got something from that game Bale possibly should have won it for us um, and it doesn't happen we lose the game but in the end we kind of turned it around and I think or I hope at least that this game is our version of that moment if you know what I mean yeah I mean I I had a bit of a look at the table and I, I think it's it's going to be difficult for us to finish second um, the checks are on seven points the same as, as us but they've played a game more and that's, I suppose your immediate reaction is, oh, well, that's, you know, that's good if we're on the same points and they've, they've played a game more. Um, but our sort of game in hand, as it were, is the, is the home game against the Belgians. So let's assume we don't win that because at the minute it's difficult to build any argument that we would. Um, and then from there, we've both got three games left Um Obviously, one of those is the, is the Czechs in Prague, and that becomes a really, really key game. But even if we were to get a draw against the Czechs, the, the goal difference is such that I just can't see us being able to pip them without also taking something out of the Belgium game. And it just all seems so unlikely at the minute, the way we're playing. Um Obviously, if we can if we can somehow scrape a win in Prague, then all bets are off, and we can we can do something going forward. But I just I just think we've put ourselves in a really difficult situation to try and get that second place in this group. I think we're I think we're heading for that away playoff game come March. Quick question for you. Um, obviously, we we, we talked before uh, in previous pods about the women's campaign, where obviously the the decider was head to head. Is that still the case here? It's goal difference first. Then you start looking at between the two teams in question. Um, I say, oh, my God. I, I just have to say at this point, we are trying our best, listeners. If you think this is noisy, you want to hear the outtakes and what we've deleted from this circumstance. I feel like I'm living in a loony bin. Um, I mean, you say the goal difference. The, the goal difference is actually, they've only actually got one better goal difference. Dallas, but I suppose yeah, but, we've got to play the Belgium. But assuming, so that assuming we've lost to Belgium, that that will get our goal difference will go into the negative. Yeah, true. I can't see us scoring more goals against Belarus and Estonia than they they do somehow the way we're playing. Uh, you know, we to get the three points in those games. I think we're is what we're looking for. I I just I think I'm getting quite fatalistic about this, Dave. Ironically, when it's a it's so much better a campaign than we've had on occasion. We're still fighting for a place. We've still got the potential of a playoff place from this league. But I think 
I think my kind of energy bubble has gone on this. I'm just waiting for this away game in March now. I think I, I, I'm not quite that fatalistic, to use your word. I, I think I'm just trying to be a bit realistic in the sense that as you said there it's hard to make an argument you're going to get anything out of the Belgium game or realistically the Czech game if that's how we're going to play and in itself the Estonia and, and Belarus return legs if you like look look like tasks I, I guess the real the realistic thing here is at least we do have that to fall back on which is obviously absolutely fantastic I think the the worry really is 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 how if we lose the Czech Republic game I don't know if we're in a situation where it, the, the the playoff game almost doesn't matter in and of itself then, does it? Because of the of the situation we find ourselves in. Do you know what I mean? Like, if we can't see ourselves beating Estonia, do we see ourselves going away to Serbia and getting a win or wherever we may play that playoff game? Do you know what I mean? No, I mean, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves as well. But um, that's that's my kind of little light at the end of the tunnel at the minute. And who knows, you know, when we're the underdogs, we actually, in some respects, we play better. So, you know, away in Sweden, let's say, might not be an end of the world game for us. Um, no, that's true. And I and I see that. I, I just think this is a shot in the arm, I guess, is the, is the crux of it, where this needs to be a turning point for us, where we say, right, whatever we've done before, at the moment, it isn't working. And maybe Kiefer Moore gets injured and can't play in the next game. So it's not good enough to say, yeah, but Kiefer didn't play. There needs to be a way around this, whether it's Jeff Cott, a new system, 3-4-3, whatever. And I think this needs to be, you know, Rob Page's kind of Serbia moment that, that Chris Coleman had, where he's just like, right, I've got to do this my way. I've got to decide on a system and a setup and a situation. Yeah, I think... And, and it's, it has been done. It, as you said, it, it was it was done after the Hungary away game. We pulled it around and we got our Euros place. And, I, you know, it's not that we're not incapable of that, it, but it has to be addressed. It does. And I think given all the noises and going on here, the fact that this is going to be an hour and a quarter podcast so far, and we've actually been doing this for about two and a half hours, considering all the noise interruptions we've had, but I do want to try and move on. So at least I can go to bed and you can get on with your day. Um, the women are playing Kazakhstan and Estonia, as we mentioned at the top. Um, the game is on Friday uh, in Tlenetli and uh, in Estonia on Tuesday. It was announced today that BBC Wales are showing the games live on BBC Two Wales, which is absolutely fantastic news. They're going to be on, online and stuff as well. If you can't get to the game, please do try and get in, um, get in, get in touch with those and watch that. Equally, if you can get to the game, please do on Friday night. Um, I know Hales from Fee Wales is organising a bus. I don't know if she still has spaces left on it, on the bus to Natalie from Cardiff, but please do go along if you can it's, it's it's a huge campaign for the for the girls and i think if this is the campaign that it's going to happen it needs to be this one you know i think that we're on the we're on the brink of losing a few of the older players perhaps um and that point where inexperience isn't quite uh there's there's too much a gap between the in the experienced players if you know what i mean so i think if this is going to happen it now is the time isn't it yeah, and I think the way that the qualification has been structured, at least every second place team gets a playoff. It's a very complicated playoff system, and we've explored that a bit before. We won't go into it now. But the fact that 
every, as I said, every second place team at least gets into the playoffs in some form, I think is a, a fair, a fairer system. And, um, you know, we are, we're in a, in a group with France, but, that, but after them, I think we can certainly be competitive with everybody else in the group. I think the way the fixtures have worked out for us is quite interesting. We don't actually play the French until the sixth game of the series. We, we have them as the, the second game in the November window. Um, so we've got the potential of hopefully having a good you know, a, a good start, a good buffer of points before we even have to face the top seeds in the group and, and put pressure on the on the, the teams that are around us through that. Uh, so I'm actually really happy with how the games have panned out um, in a sequence as well. Uh, they The girls played really well against Scotland. It was a very unfortunate error that led to the, to the one Scottish goal in that friendly back in, I think it was June. Uh, I suspect we're going to see a very similar similar team um, as played in that game probably Hayley Ladd coming back in uh, but other than that I'm not sure we're going to see very many differences uh, just a word from over here Jess Fishlock is having a super season so far she was in the player of the month team uh, team of the month for uh, for August uh, and the rain are doing well so she's in good form so you know all in all uh, interesting, actually, she was meant to play in Washington this last weekend, and they, there was a COVID violation in the in the Washington team, and the the rain got the the three points from that, and the game wasn't played. So she's going in a little rested to to camp as well, which might not be a bad thing for us. Yeah, I saw she scored a screamer uh, a couple of weeks ago as well, so she's doing well. The one who I am worried about in that context of playing time would be Angara James. I don't think she's made a start so far for Carolina. She's come on uh, as a sub. Um, a, a decent amount of time, but she's not going to start there. So she might be slightly rusty in that sense. But, you know, uh, overall, I think the squad's in a great position. Hayley, um, Kayleigh Green, sorry, scored a screamer herself the other day. Great team goal from Brighton and a great finish from her. So um, lots lots of things to be positive. Uh, the one thing I wanted to add about the fixtures, the, kind of the way they've fallen, if you like, that weekend in October is is looking like the uh, could be a key one there i think mm-hmm. with slovenia away and then and then estonia at home realistically you'd have to look at these two opening games kazakhstan at home estonia away as, as six points if we're going to qualify we need to beat estonia and that's uh, St- slovenia sorry away from home so those are looking like key games obviously when we get into november then um the 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 home game against greece and the away game against france as you mentioned uh are also going to be a tricky little run there. But I think we go into the France games with it as a shot to nothing. I don't know where the game in France is going to be yet. They haven't announced that yet. Um, they tend to do that between 30 and 60 days ahead of time, we are told. So um, I'm hopeful that I'm going to be able to go to the France game, uh, all, all things being even. So, um, so uh, yeah, so fingers crossed. Oh, my God. Uh, why do people listen to this, Ruth? What? Why do people listen to this? Absolute nonsense. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so sorry, everyone. Uh, so uh, I've lost my thread now. Oh yeah, I'm going to try and go to France. We'll worry about this another time. I'm sorry. This is. I think I feel like we just need to finish. Um, the, the, the only other thing I wanted to add, sorry, on the, uh, the women's game is I think the you know the the biggest thing here is that we do go out and attack this you know Estonia 105th in the world um 
Kazakhstan are eighty second. Um, you know, looking at their respective records from previous <coughs> tournaments uh, and the qualifiers for the Euros, for example, they really don't score many. They do concede a bundle. I hope we do stick two up top or something like that and kind of attack them and have a go at them and be positive in this because these two games are, are very much there for the taking. Yeah, and ultimately goal difference could be key in the um, in the playoff, the seeding for any playoff games. So um, that's it's, it's another reason to try and take these games by the scruff a bit as well. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we wish uh the women's team luck and we will be watching that we're hoping to have a follow-up podcast just focusing on those two games next week hopefully with Gwenan harris who's going to be uh working at the game as well which is fantastic so hopefully we can we can sort that out with Gwenan um and have a, a follow-up for this game those games as well sorry um i apologize if as again the the, the recording that you're going to get ladies and gentlemen believe it or not is the well-edited, sound-free version compared to what would have happened if we just carried on. So I do apologise. Unfortunately, between Moving House and, and Ruth uh, podcasting in a shed, there is, uh, there's only so many things we can do uh, to control the things around us. I can't... And my dog does not know that we're recording uh, and Ruth's neighbour does not understand that he cannot hammer uh, during, uh, during podcast times. But there you go. Oh, we apologise, uh, and as I say, that is probably the best version of it you're going to get, believe it or not. Um, okay, I'm going to shut up. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your time, Ruth. Yep, it's been a long morning. Been, I was <laughs> going to say, we st- for, the, for the sake of reference, just to finish, we set up to do this at half past six. I had to push it on because of internet worries. It's now half past nine here in the Netherlands, and you're getting an hour and a half podcast out of it. So imagine the stuff we had to cut out in the other hour and a half in between. Um, oh, my God. Anyway, uh, enough. Thank you very much for your time, ladies and gentlemen, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.